Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I think I've officially reached the emotional stage of pregnancy. Yeah, you're not a very emotional person. No, and it's so out of, like, character for me. So I think, do you know, we were talking about, like, <clears throat> possibly getting a guest on yeah. when, when you go to Cuba. Yeah. In your place, just. Yeah. I think I might get another pregnant woman on. I will just cry for the whole thing. It'll be like the unpopular opinion pregnancy episode. Yes. Of angry just, pregnant women. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And we'll just cry for the whole thing. Makes sound sense. good? I think, do you know what? Do it. <laughs> Go for it. Fucking just do it. Your best life. <laughs> very welcome back to the unpopular opinion podcast my name is jen and i'm carla and in this episode i'd say we'll get probably real deep yeah i'm feeling a bit of mouse yeah so am i and i'm a bit i don't know i mean i suppose the aim of this podcast would be to if anybody who has lost somebody very recently and has gone through the toughest time because i think I think everybody has nearly lost somebody that's close to them and they know that feeling. Yeah. It might make them feel a little bit better. I think it's more about acceptance. And I think, um, like, talking to people who have, you know, we'll get into our own personal stories and stuff like that, but um, talking to people that have, like, experienced grief in different ways always yeah. gives you a different outlet, I feel. Yeah, and you I know? think if you, you you hear of somebody else's coping mechanisms and you can try you can yourself, like, oh. yeah, I'll yeah. try that and then see can you end up feeling better like obviously and it's such a cliche but time is the biggest healer I mean yeah because it like obviously if something just happens to you and it's very raw and you're in absolute bits yeah a year down the line when you look back on that you do realise how far you've come yeah off the back of something like that I think also like grief is so many different processes but I'll, I'll start off by saying this is probably one of the like I, obviously me and Tom get into real deep talk sometimes but I remember he said he read an analogy before and I just thought it was he thought it was such a perfect analogy and then he said it to me and I was like that's such a perfect analogy but they said grief is like having a ball a very big ball in a glass box and it's bouncing around and every time it hits the corner is when it triggers your grief but as time goes on the ball gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller oh, yeah. so it hits the button every so often and you're bowled over and you don't know what it is but it becomes less and less over time yeah yeah that's so actually like, a really good one yeah so he was like if you think about it because your grief never gets smaller it just gets more distant almost where it's not your everyday new normal yeah so it's like when it hits the button you're like oh my god and you have those days mm. where you can't move or you can't feel or you can't feel anything or you're just in such a deep but then the ball bounces away yeah but it will always come back to the grief 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I thought that that was such a good, like... It is, yeah, it's a great analogy. It's good to kind of like yeah. put something like that into perspective. Yeah. But as well, I think it's so important to be able to recognise that that's why you're feeling like that. that I think yeah. that's a, it's such a big step because like even if you wake up and it's a year down the line after losing somebody so close to you and you're having a shit day and you're like, oh, what is going on? You, you can't really cope. You keep bursting out crying. Everything mm-hmm. like you s- fucking just want to smash something off a wall. If you just stop, I know it's hard at the time when it's actually happening, but if you just stop and recognise why you're feeling like this, because mm-hmm. I mean, a year down the line, you mightn't realise it's, it's that's that's what's affecting you, you know what yeah. I mean? It might be hard to recognise <coughs> far enough down the line, do you know what I mean? So if you actually stop and just go, okay, this is why I'm feeling like this, then you can start dealing with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think <clears throat> I'm not one... And it's just personally me, like, my mates are always like, you're fucking wild, the way that you deal with, like, grief and things that happen and, like, death and all those other kind of, they're like, you're just so, to the, you're like, matter of fact. Mm-hmm. But I think people have different ways of coping. And I've just been very like, okay, that's happened. What are we doing? What's next? Yeah. And that's why I don't hold, I'm very particular about, like, I don't hold any weight and dates. Right. Like, you know, this is the day that... Bloody blah passed away. Right. Or this is the date that my nanny. I just don't hold. I don't have. Me and Tom don't have an anniversary date. We don't know. We're like sometime in September. Okay. Yeah, we don't have an anniversary date. I don't hold dates as a thing. I don't like. And it's obviously it's my thing as well. But like it, it almost frustrates me when I f- like see people being like it's coming up to the date now, and I'm like okay, but it's a day. Yeah. You yeah. know, like yeah. you don't have to if you hold so much on that day. That day is always going to be. The big looming day for you. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. If you're like, oh my God, it's coming up to when my, you know, partner passed away or my granny passed away or anything like that. I'm like, but you hold that in that date. Mm. Whether it's spread your grief out. <laughs> Do you know right, what I mean? Okay. But that's just how I cope with things. I just get real like, because my dad really holds dates because his sister passed away. His mum and his dad both passed away. So... He holds mm. a lot of waiting dates. Yeah, yeah. And I think that just frustrated me. I'm kind of, there would be some dates that would resonate with me more than others. Yeah. But I see what you're saying, like, because if you are, if you do think about and treat the date like that, you're, you're going to be affected for like yeah. at least two weeks yeah. before coming up to coming it. Coming up to it. On the day, you're going to be miserable. Absolutely. And then you're going to spend another two weeks getting exactly. over Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, I just think whatever, be sad, obviously, be sad. I'm not saying, I'm not trying to be inconsiderate. I'm just saying that. I feel like you're giving so much power to that date yeah. and to that time of year and to be like, you know, Christmas, you know, the way everybody's like, oh, it's so rough Christmas with a loss. And it is, it is a really rough time because mm. it's programmed into us that Christmas is for families. Yeah. But I personally, in the past four or five years, fucking despise Christmas. I actually don't like it anymore. I really don't like it. I don't okay. enjoy it whatsoever. Um, and my mum always said that to me when I was younger. She was like, you'll hate Christmas until you have kids. And I was like, really? She was like, yeah, you'll get over it. There'll be a massive batch of time where you'll hate Christmas and then you'll have kids. Right. And she's like, and then you'll like it again and then you'll hate it again. I was like, really? She's like, yeah. <laughs> and I think that's it. I've actually reached that point You're in my in that life. Batch. Yeah. So, but then I'm very hardline when it comes to things sometimes. And I think I do need a bit more empathy. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, I can see, but like what you're saying there, yeah. it does sound harsh and it does sound like an unpopular opinion, but it makes an awful lot of sense as well. It does, like, it's logically. <clears throat> How can you process your grief if you're like, 
holding November on. November 15th. November mm-hmm. 15th. Yeah, yeah. That's the day. Rather yeah. than being like, well, you know. If you change your <clears throat> mindset and yeah. dealt with it in a different way, it, it mightn't be yeah. as unbearable. Like I just think like when you give things attention, you give them power. And that's yeah. about everything in life. Do you know what I mean? If you give like negative comments or, yeah, you know, if you give like even sometimes with like when your anxiety flares, I'm like, okay, I'm giving this too much attention. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, I'm giving this too much attention. I'm being like, oh, I feel really anxious. I'm telling everybody I feel really anxious. I'm like, okay, relax. Yeah. Just yeah. breathe, go through it. Oh God, mindset is such a powerful thing. Like if you can control that, you're winning. Yeah, definitely. definitely. And that's where a lot of people lose with that. And I totally respect that. But I just think the day thing for me is just something that I never got yeah. on board with. I never thought of it that way. Like I, there are certain, like I said, there's certain dates that re- resonate with me yeah. more. Like I could not tell you the dates that my grandparents died on. Or actually, now that I think of it, there's not. No, I remember one day of one grandparent. And then it's not until somebody says it to me that I'm like, oh, yeah. But I don't. Well, it depends on the death as well, doesn't it? Like, I've lost two family members to suicide. Yeah. And I've lost other family members to natural causes. Yeah. And like illnesses when they're younger I've actually lost an awful lot of people in my family Jeez, you have. but yeah now I have like because even my best friend Amy she she was like when we were growing up I would nearly have like a death in my family nearly every five years and she was like oh, Jesus I haven't lost anyone in my family yeah. like how this is mad that you're do you know what I mean that I, there's always like an uncle or a grandparent or do you know what I mean mm-hmm. but like I forget what I was going to say there. I'm actually losing me trying to talk. Oh, yeah. No, it depends on the, the circumstance of the death as well. Like, I, I think if you lose a grandparent to old age and natural causes, it's not as heartbreaking. I, this might be an unpopular opinion, but it's not as heartbreaking as losing somebody to a tragic death. Is that because we have been programmed that way? Because mm. death is still death. Dress it up, dress it down. But I feel like the older you get, like... Talking to, I remember my dad's always been very relaxed about death. Mm-hmm. Like he's, but now in all fairness, Ray goes to, I'd say, a funeral or a removal twice a week, every week. Like okay. I'm like, how do you know so many fucking people passing away? Yeah. Like seriously. There are people like that, aren't they? They're always just. I think it's because he knows so many fucking people. Well, and yeah. also because my grandparents, they're all, di- like the mates are all dying now. Yeah. Do you get me? Because, like, my granny, my granddad went really young. He was 66. And then my, <laughs> do you remember I said this in the podcast where I was like, Ray, are you really nervous about turning 60? Because that's when granddad died in the oh. 60s. And he was like, are you fucking kidding me, Carla? <laughs> I was like, no. It's like, no, I never thought of it that way. But okay, yeah. thanks. Yeah, and, I was yeah, like, yeah. and then my granny was 72, I think, 72. That's it, that is young. That's young. In terms of like today's age and like... Siobhan, my aunt, was 44, I think. Yeah. But Siobhan was sick for a long time. Yeah. And there was like four times, I think, that we were called to give her her last rites. Wow. And she kept fucking coming back. Jesus Christ, she was some woman. We were like, woo, she's back. She's back again. <laughs> she's back with a bang. Yeah. And you, you couldn't trust it. Like, I remember when, the la- when she was on her final deathbed, like mm. in the hospital in Connolly. And... Uh, we went to the cinema, me and my friend Sean and my cousin, who was mm. over from the States, because they flew my cousin and my uncle Four. over. And they were like, right, and now this is the third time that I think they'd been flown over. Oh, really? In five years. So they were kind of like, okay, is this the crack? So we went to the cinema and then my aunt texted me being like, it's time. And I was like, oh, 
So then we left Inception, never saw the end. Never saw the Never saw the end of Inception. Yeah. Mm. And then when we got there she had she had gone. Wow. But to be honest, that one I almost processed before it was happening. Yeah, but that's yeah. what I mean by when you're not that like old age and like natural causes is is nearly like it is a given but I think it's that type of death you're nearly expecting do you know what yeah. I mean because like up until like we lost um my granddad last June he was the last grandparent what he age? was 83 okay but can and you it, process he, it if they're in their 80s I think 80 is young now no I think 80 is old it depends on what kind of 80 yeah, you are. Yeah, what kind of 80. Yeah, yeah, I know. People here are like 80 and you'd be like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Like, and yeah, and you're like, what? Depends. Yeah. But like nearly <clears throat> every Christmas, we kind of nearly all said for the last kind of three or four years, oh, this might be Grandad's last. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Even though he wasn't sick, but he was, you could see him getting frailer. Mm-hmm. Now, he got diagnosed with cancer in the March. He was gone by the June. Because yeah. he was just the type of person who was like, no. Not going to go get checked out. Not going to go to the hospital because if I go in there, I'll never come out. Do you know what I mean? And then I think that nearly made it, even though we were expecting him to go after he got the diagnosis, it was like, you could tell by him even doing that, that he was afraid of dying. Yeah. Which broke my fucking heart. Yeah, that's very, that's scary. Whereas if somebody is like, do you know what? I'll be... I'll, I'll be, be fine. I've had a great life. And he did say all those things. He said, like, I've had a great life. I have no regrets. I absolutely yeah. adore my family. All this. But you could still tell that he, the fact that he didn't want to go into the hospital because he thought he was never coming out, that he mm. was petrified of it. Yeah. Which broke me, hurt me like me little That granddad. is a lot, isn't it? Like, Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then, yeah, he ended up going home at then into <coughs> palliative care and he was in his bed... His own bed care. then, yeah, he, well, he was at home, he was in his own bedroom, I'd say. For was him. he sick? Oh yeah, he was, like when he came out of hospital, now he was off his face on morphine, like nobody yeah. could believe how talkative he was, mm-hmm. but he was just off his face on morphine, but he was on the fucking ball, like his head was there for the whole, like up, right up until the end, he had so much cop on, he was mm-hmm. talking about repeal, he was talking about yeah. Trump, do you know what I mean, he'd be able to hold a great conversation with you, but like... He did go downhill very quickly. Um, but kind of towards the end, he was just like, oh, yeah, no, I'll be... Oh, sorry, he was 82. He would have been 83 in the October. And he was like, oh, no, I'll make it to 83 now. I'll make it to 83. And we're kind of looking at him going... Will you? I don't think you will. Do you know what I mean? And it, it, that was the heartbreaking part because you could still tell by him saying those things that he wasn't ready. Now, he wrote out a list of everything that he wanted. He wanted everybody to be wearing colourful clothes. He wanted, yeah. told us where he wants yeah. his ashes to be scattered. Do you know what I mean? And he was like, he wanted us to scatter them in um, Black Rock Park. We still haven't done it. I think we're doing it around Christmas time when Miami comes back from Portugal. But he, um, he's like, now, don't scatter me anywhere else. He was like, I don't yeah, care yeah. if you have <clears throat> to break the law to scatter me in this certain rose bush in Black Rock mm-hmm. Park. But he was like, I, I actually don't care. Like, get in trouble to do it. I just, that's where I want to be scarred. Do you know what I mean? Like, he was being real mischievous about it and everything. Like, it, it was, like, in one sense, he was like, this is what I want. I know that this is happening. And in the other sense, he was like, no, no, I'll make it to me birthday. Oh, nah, I don't think I'll go. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, oh. Yeah, like... It's it's such a weird one because it's like 
I feel like we've been programmed into kind of, if they're older and if they're in their 80s, but then there's some young fucking 80-year-olds. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's some seriously mm. young, young, young 80-year-olds. And you're like, well, that's not really yeah. valid. Like, if they went, that would be a shock, I feel. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Um, <clears throat> like, I have <clears throat> my granny and granddad on my mum's side. They're still, I think they're 83 and 85. Wow. But my granny has had cancer twice. Yeah. I think twice now. Um, and she's very frail. Yeah. But her mind's as quick. But it's like her body, Sorry. like she's very kind of like, she's very slim. She's always been slim though, yeah, do you know? Yeah, so yeah. you're kind of like, oh God. And you're like, but she's, she's gorgeous. Like she's just a little petal. Yeah. And then my granddad, like he's as sharp as well. So I'm like, they're grand. Do you know? Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. when you're like, well, they're grand. They're like not a, I think, they're not a dying 80. They're yeah, like a young yeah. 80. Yeah. I think when they can look after themselves <clears throat> and they are de- driving independent, like I love seeing that yeah. in older people. I love that. Like yeah. my dad's, it's quite sad. My dad's uncle Mickey, uncle Mickey. I just adore him. He's just the best ever but he's been in my life as much as my granddad has if you know what I mean yeah 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 like he was kind of like we go for dinner with him and everything else like that but he came over the other night to fix our tiles he fixed our washing machine he roofs like my yeah. dad said he drove he lives in Ashburn and my dad said he drove into his like into the drive and he has like kind of like a bit of yeah. got a big like trees and shit like that out the front and he was up the tree cutting down with oh. chainsaw and Ray was like no fucking bother to him like Jesus he's 84 86 maybe oh not a fuck given and like drove here depths that like he came over at half nine the other night to fix the tiles with Ray and not a fuck given and I was like right I don't like him driving and Ray was like oh here don't fucking tell me he knows <laughs> he knows I was like I just don't feel because he wears glasses that are as thick as like oh yeah John Jars yeah love it fully and he's yeah. like oh yeah and you're like ah. <laughs> love Uncle Mickey. but like cute like yeah yeah and then at the same time, but then his wife died from cancer and he's never really been the same. Yeah. Like my, so my dad's dad died obviously when Ray was 40. Granddad was 66. Yeah, 66. And that was from a pulmonary. Heart disease. Uh, no, it's the one, you know, where your lungs fill up. Oh, COPD kind of thing? Tar kind of thing. Oh, right. Um, it was because he worked in the mines when he was in America. Oh, he worked in the mines and he got it from that, um, unfortunately enough. But he... What's it called? Pulmonary. Tom remembers. I, I can't remember the name of it. But it's basically where he was on oxygen. That's what I can remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you look at photos, like at 60, he looked 90. Ah. You know? Yeah. So kind of, I think my dad was like, we all knew he was gone. But I remember that when I was younger. I remember my mum was obsessed with my grand, like my dad's dad. Because he loved my mum. But yeah. I was like, what age was I? I was nine. Because it was 99. It was March 29th, 99. That's the only date I can't remember. I can remember. I can't remember Siobhan and I can't remember Ethna. Mm. But... I remember my mum being like, granddad's died and her and my sister crying and me being like, oh no. Because mm. <laughs> you don't understand when you're that no, age. I yeah, was like, you don't. oh. And they were crying and I was like, I'm going to have to try and cry now. Yeah, yeah. I I think I was told about my, I can't remember what age I was when my first granddad died, granddad Harry. And um, my mum told me and my sister in the sitting room, I remember sitting there and she told us and Kim started bawling her eyes out. And I was looking at Kim going, oh, I have to cry now. Yeah, that's that's literally what triggered me. Yeah. And I remember my cousins were over at the shit. <clears throat> my cousins were over. And I was like, does that mean they have to go? <laughs> Fuck's sake. Yeah. I was like, oh, does that mean like they have to leave? Yeah. Raging. I know, yeah. When you're younger, it's a, it's a lot easier to handle as well. And then like as well... 
Uh, I don't know. I think your parents are probably nearly rather that for you, though. Because like, yeah. they're, they're going oh, through gosh. the bereavement of losing a parent. Like, if you... Like, they don't want to have to be worrying about you as well. Like, yeah. Do you know what if I mean? If you're a baby, you'd probably be, like, glad you don't understand. Yeah. Like, oh, no, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're, like, you know what I mean? Because I was kind of, like, back in... When, me again, my granddad, Harry, died, and I was like, I think I remember looking at my cousin in the church, and he, he had, like, this mad crying face, and I was actually laughing at him. And then I felt let bad later on because I saw how sad everybody was yeah. and then I felt bad for laughing, but I couldn't stop myself laughing. I was like, I think between the ages of like seven and nine or something like that. And then I was just like, oh, I shouldn't be laughing. But like, yeah, me and my sister grand, pissed like, ourselves at my aunties. I think it's because they're so tense. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. You, you just, know, like when I get nervous, I laugh. Yeah. I can't remember something set us off, like someone did something or, you know, it's something as small as like a priest fumbling a word and you're like... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? Gosh, hilarious. But that, and I had to do a reading and I remember everybody was like, you were so brave. And I was like, it was a job I had to do for my... Yeah. Like, I hate funerals. These are so... Mm. like the church up in Castlenock I'm like there's my funeral church because I feel like I was at one consistently yeah. for fucking ages but mm. I wasn't it was just because my aunt and my granny went within 10 months of each other Yeah, so it was oh. and we didn't Ethna was the shock Siobhan wasn't the shock mm. Ethna we just thought was going to keep going and going once my granddad died she smoked like 40 fags a day she drank all the time mm. she didn't give a fuck <laughs> she was literally like YOLO mm. didn't give a shy. Ethna was Ethna though do you know what I mean and then she went in with a cough and she died from a heart attack but then apparently they like is it called an autopsy if it wasn't like oh yeah yeah is it still called an autopsy yeah well when they opened her up she had so many tumors oh Oh, she was riddled yeah she was riddled so they were like she's actually quite lucky she went from the heart attack and not the 85 tumors that were floating about her body but she would never go to the hospital Mm. ever it's yeah it's strange I've had, <clears throat> hang on a sec, let me just see now, I have, yeah, so four grandparents died, one uncle of, no, two uncles of natural causes, and an aunt and an uncle of suicide, all, like, before I was 30. Jesus. Do you know what I mean? And, like, I have to say, the natural causes didn't, and like you said, is it trained into our brains? I don't know. But the natural causes weren't as hard hitting as suicides, obviously. But I think with suicides, there is there's such a mentality there. Yeah. Because I feel like for people that haven't suffered from depression and haven't had a mental illness or a battle with mental illness, it's very difficult to kind of get to that stage where you're like, they to did this it. to themselves yeah, kind yeah. of thing. Um, but obviously mm. that's such a big, you know... It but is. that's just from so that's just from like the outside looking in. And when you haven't suffered with depression or you haven't had a mental health issue or mm. a battle with your own mental health, it's very difficult to like see it. Oh yeah. From somebody it's like it's like to, to dumb it down, to really dumb it down. It's like you having a battle about religion or something. Do you know what I mean? You're trying to understand where why someone believes or why mm. someone comes from that yeah. kind of process and you're coming from a different process. I think suicide is just such a it's yeah it's, it's hard to comprehend topic. like I've talked about this before because obviously and I, I'll say it again both my aunt and my uncle um, took their own lives in January and February so I would be saying to people 
that like obviously yeah, yeah. mental health and looking out for the person and just just asking somebody are they okay is important all of the time yeah but specifically after christmas and after new year's is when i find it really people, sets doesn't it it's not that it really sets it's that that's when the mentality comes in i cannot do another year of this oh okay do you know what i mean yeah yeah i see that and like from talking about this because I talked about it on Snapchat before I haven't really talked about it on Instagram as much but um, on Snapchat before and a lot of people got into contact with me and they all agreed it's that time of year is when it's like that's when it really needs to be you need to check in with people you need to make sure that people are okay because that's when they're like I cannot do another year with this that's it it's the start of the year I need to this needs to end now because what people from my my understanding of it and obviously it's a lot more complex I have never suffered with my mental health mm-hmm. so it's rich coming from me but it's it just seems to be that people who have suicidal tendencies tend to think that they are a burden on people yeah and that it's not so much that they they're even thinking about oh but they're gonna miss me they're definitely not think that's the opposite of what they're thinking they're yeah. thinking like okay, these people will be so much better off without me. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, like, I would just say specifically that time of year, check in with people, just because that's just tends to be, well, in my family's case it was. And funnily enough, the two, me and my uncle, did have drinking problems. Yeah. But by the time the autopsy came around, not an ounce of alcohol in their systems. It was like they had a moment of clarity. Oh, God. Do you know what I mean? They weren't over any sort of limit. They weren't even particularly heavy on the drink that day. Like, do you know what I mean? It was like they just saw clarity and they just wanted to be done. And like, obviously, because it's like, it's quote unquote before their time. It's so unexpected. They're obviously not going to tell you that they're going to be doing this. That's like, it's so unexpected that when you get that phone call, it's absolutely devastating. Like, and it's just, you always think to yourself, is there something that I could have done? And there absolutely wasn't. Like, there was absolutely nothing you could have done. I think that's, but that's a that's a great, like, when you reach that point where you're like, there's nothing I could have done. Yeah. You've processed half of it. But the thing is, like, and it's funny because I'm saying, make sure you check in with somebody. Mm. You could. <laughs> you could check in with them at the wrong time, sure. I know. No, like, but it's not even that. Like, I'm, it's kind of contradictory. Like, it's so hard to navigate because you're, on one hand, you're saying, uh, check in with somebody make sure that they're okay but then you're telling yourself afterwards that there's nothing that you could have done so it's like do you know what I mean <coughs> I think it, it's hard to navigate it is really hard to navigate and I think if you are somebody who's lost someone to suicide there's an episode there's a podcast called How to Fall Apart and there's an episode dedicated to suicide and there is a makeup artist her name is um, Eilish Downey um, and she lost her sister at 22 to suicide and the way she talks about it is just so, like, it changed my mindset totally. Yeah. She's like, you know, I never say committed suicide because that acts like it's, it's a crime. committed a crime. Yeah. And just little things like that. She was like, you know, I always say I lost my sister to depression or she lost her battle with her mental health and stuff like that. But she kind of goes into the ins and outs of, you know, certain things about, like, you know, if it was planned, if it wasn't, all those other kind of things. Mm. I highly recommend if you're somebody who even once a different outlook on suicide, yeah. I'd listen to that episode because it's a really refreshing way of listening to it. And again, I feel like I've talked to loads of people who have lost someone to suicide 
you know, my sister lost um, a friend to suicide as well. And it's very kind of, um, it's very, people have so many different kind of yeah ways of processing it because mm. they can process it. Yeah. Or they can, you know, but there there is some suicides that are very much, they're totally, as in not pre- like, it's hard to say preventative, but as in they were a spur of the moment kind of things. Yeah. And that does happen. Yeah. That does happen. Mm. Um. And then there's others that there was literally nothing you could have done. But as in spur of the, spur of the moment ones, not that you could have changed anything, but it was just, as he said, that moment of clarity. It was something that just happened and it, and it yeah. went through. Yeah, now that I think yeah. of it, like maybe it's not contradictory because me, the, me uncle was actually on the phone. This is, it's confusing. So um, the uncle that committed suicide was on the phone to my auntie that committed suicide the night before. He took his own life. So, like, that night, and then he did it, like, early that morning. So, like, even though she did check in with him, he still went and did it. So maybe there are just some cases where it's just going to happen. But I suppose, like... It is tough. Like, my... Because probably there there are probably (coughs) situations where it's happened before where (coughs) people have checked in with somebody and it has stopped them. Do you know what I mean? So maybe it's not contradictory, and it depends on the person, but it's just, like... It's like, what, what? Yeah. How do we bloody stop this? Do you know what I mean? But when I was younger, I had a friend and he tried to commit suicide. He tried to hang himself and the belt broke. And we pissed ourselves when he told me that story. What? We fucking, we were crying. I was, he was like, yes, the belt broke. So that didn't work. And I remember, we, I was 14 at the time. And I just remember we were howling, howling. Because it was just that kind of, you know, where you're just like, this is so morbid. <laughs> you know, yeah, you're like, this yeah. is so fucking morbid. Morbid. We were howling. And I remember just being like, Jesus Christ, that was fairly deep. And he was like, yeah, well, you know. And I mean, we were, but it was so fucking funny. And he was like, well, I'm still here now, haven't I? So. Well, yeah, he yeah. got over it, obviously. Yeah. He obviously got over it. But it, and it is, it's funny because um another, my cousin over in the States, he like, you know the way there's like a lad gang and there's always around 20 of them. Yeah. You know, they played soccer together or whatever else like that. Four of them committed suicide within a year oh of each other. Oh my God. But it was like, my aunt was up in arms because she was like, is this like a trend? Is this something that's just what happened? And I remember one of the stories, it was really bad. It was like, there was a big house party. One of them, one of the guys who um, committed, or took his own life was across the road he lived across the road he went to the party across the uh, on the in the fucking neighbours mm. had a fight with his girlfriend came over and shot himself oh Jesus you know so it's like that was spur of the moment oh clearly. yeah yeah he took his dad's thing. rifle shot himself that was obviously yeah a spur of the moment kind of thing mm. he wasn't thinking so, about that for months he wasn't thinking yeah. about that for months he obviously had mental health issues yeah for that to be such an extreme emotion but especially in teenagers things are just yeah things are tough I mean I think we could do a whole episode on suicide alone oh we could yeah um, I lost a friend when he we were, he was quite young actually yeah he was 16 or 17 um, and he kind of he hung himself off the back of a chair and he was Adam's friend as well we all kind of hung around with each other but I'm not too sure if um, that was a he was that was after a session or something like that. Yeah. I must ask. And I better not say that. Like, I won't say his name or anything because I'm not actually too sure on it. But from what I remember, I think it was after a session or something like that. And he 
that's when he did that. Because, like, we all knew him and he wasn't in any way kind of, like... You can't put a face under pressure. You can't, yeah, yeah you that's know, true as and well. And it is, yeah. but sometimes people... Some people shock you more than others, I would yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're kind of like, what? Mm. And you're shook to the core. Yeah. But I think it also, it all lends back to, like... I think it's 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 the way that we view it. But then I think the only hope that we can have for anybody is that they pass away in the red. That's what I always yeah. think. Yeah. Like when my little Jack Russell passed away, he was curled up in a ball mm. and he had pneumonia and his heart just stopped. Yeah. He was still curled up in his little ball. Yeah. So. I know. When you see, oh, Jesus Christ, sorry. Oh my God, the cat. The cat just fucking showed up on the... <laughs> Sorry, I need to get my bearings. Sorry, we're just going to leave that in to give a bit of a, a break to all the... The morbidness. Deep, the deep talk. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, no, it does. Um, like, but you, like you said, it, it's what's trained into our brains. We obviously just feel like if somebody dies in their bed and it's not that considered that tragic... Yeah. ...that it's easier to cope with. Or see, you know when those... Was it two Irish people that went missing on Everest? Everest? There was definitely one this Not year. the chap, yeah. Yeah. But it's like, obviously, he passed away. Yeah. But is it more acceptable because it's something he wanted to do? Do you know? It's kind of like, <sighs> is it less sad because it's like, well, he died on Everest and it's something he always wanted to do. Or is it more sad because it's like, he slipped and that was, you know, he probably, I think he was all the way up to the summit. And he, obviously, you slip or something. Like, I mean, I don't know fucking anything about Everest. I've never had a, a, a want to, mm. to hike it but was he um, was he found no I don't think they got see, the body see that's like it depends on it's the situation it's very difficult to recover the body though from Everest it's so dangerous oh yeah absolutely yeah. but it depends on a situation like that like the ins and outs of that specific situation because one you could be like oh well he he, he did it doing what he loved two you could be like oh no he was way too young that was just tragic and three you're not getting closure from that because you're you don't, you've nothing in the coffin. Like, not to be blunt about it, but... But then, are we putting too much propriety in, like, a body? Because he's dead. Yeah, but I, I always think... say, like, death is horrible for the people you leave behind. It's not horrible for the people the person who went. They're gone. No, it's not. I know that, but it's, it's the closure of not knowing what happened, not having the closure of... It, being able to bring him home I think it, it, like you said put people putting weight in dates mm. people would put weight in a person's shell as well yeah and Obviously. 100% natural but then yeah. at the same time you're kind of like when you go to do Everest you're training for it's not like I'm going to go do Everest you yeah, know it's like yeah. you're training for you know years months whatever I went travelling with a couple and they had done Everest They'd done base camp. They didn't even do the summit, but they did base camp. And one of them jogged it, wow. ran it. Uh, he's so fit. It was actually outrageous. And then another one just walked it, like normally hiked it. Mm. And uh, <coughs> it was all the prep that they had, you know, had done to even go to base camp. That's not even mm. Everest. So it's kind of like, but is it nice that maybe he's in the elements? No. <sighs> is that just me? I think that's just you, yeah. I'd be like, I don't know. Let me know if you agree with me, but I like, think it's like, you know, if you like, I used to always say, I don't think I'd mind drowning. <laughs> I don't know why. 
I think it's because I love water so much that I was like, I don't think I'd mind if I went drowning. And Tom was like, that's a horrible way that to die. It's death. an awful way to die. Yeah. But I was like, but I'd be in the water. He was like, okay, you big naturalist, would you relax? Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's just you. Because yeah. even wasn't there a full go for me just to bring his body home? Yeah. Like, they obviously were. And then people who go <clears throat> missing as well. Like, oh, missing is terrible, though, because you don't know what happened to them. But, yeah, but with that's... him, you know what happened to him. Yeah, I just, per- personally, if it was somebody who was close to me, I'd still prefer to know, like, exactly what went wrong. Do you know what I mean? Or at least be able to get the body home. Yeah. I just would it just I, I would find comfort in being able to bring him home yeah I don't know again that's just me I'm very rude yeah, already. I'm, I have very odd opinions when it comes to death we have loads, loads. of reactions to this um, some like it just kind of I suppose different approaches to grief and diff- different ways of dealing with it yeah that we have in our GMs mm-hmm. so we might as well read a few of those out uh, we have one here. Uh, when I was in secondary school, a girl died and suddenly, a girl died very suddenly and it shook her friends. They were inconsolable and it was all on the chaplain and the guidance counsellors to look after them. But some schools don't have them now. There needs to be better supports. It was like them being around each other was triggering, triggering fights, etc. over the validity of their grief. I also remember hearing that her best friends to her were, quote unquote, shut up. And I can literally never leave things on an argument now because it freaks freaks me out after hearing that. Also, I heard something about pets being a good way to introduce uh, a good way to introduce children to death because they can handle it better because it's something that they'll definitely experience sooner than a person's death because their lifespan is shorter. I never actually thought of that. And, and like losing a pet is absolutely devastating. Oh, uh, here. Oh, absolutely devastating. Um. So that actually is a good point if you have kids and kind of treat... Well, there was um, a DM about a humanist. I'd love to know what people tell their kids because like we said in the religion podcast, I'm uh, not religious. Mm -hmm. And up until now, any kids in our lives, when somebody has died, because we've had to deal with that, they'll go like, oh, where are they gone? And our first protocol is up to Holy God. And it usually shuts the conversation down and that's fine. But obviously I'm not going to be introducing my kid to the religious side of things. So I need to come up with something to tell my kid. I'd love to know what actual humanists think or what, what they do when it comes to kids. Actually, if you could get on to us maybe. <laughs> I actually have one here. Um, more on the funeral side of things I went to my first humanist non-religious service around two years ago and I have to say that changed everything for me it was a beautiful service and it wasn't as much of a downer as all the Catholic ones I've been to not to sound crass but they really are almost too solemn we spent like a minute just clapping clapping for the life they had and the love they gave and I just thought that was beautiful as far as the morning I went when I sorry as far as the morning went I think having time to actually celebrate the person was amazing instead of the usual quite impersonal ceremony I'd been used to Certainly what I want and I would like for when I have the experience for my family. Just a thought. Yeah. Well. I'd be into that. I'd be into that because I always said, like, I think another reason why I fucking hate funerals is because they're so depressing. Yeah. The marching, the coffin in the fucking hearse, Mm. the putting, lowering into the ground, the flowers on top of the coffin. Oh, my Lord. I was always like, this is just too 
fucking much. But like, as much as I, I don't believe in the church or anything like that, I, I have always still gotten comfort from a Catholic funeral. Because really? Yeah. Now it's <clears throat> funny because they're like they're basically saying it's okay now. They're like it, it still spreads the message now. Aside from the whole thing of God sucking them up from planet Earth or whatever. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Don't like then it's kind of like oh come on they're really like that's not happening. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like their soul is not being risen up to the Lord, but it does. It's it, the message behind. I think any funeral will probably just do the same thing it just give you that closure and just let you know they're gone they're at peace it's it's kind of I've always gotten comfort from funerals <coughs> as bad as they are I hate them I've never gotten anything from them I always thought that and again I think it gives too much reason for people to be sad right. I know I'm very hard line when it comes to these things but I honestly feel like if you take all of that out of it you're left you're gonna grieve do you know what I mean you're gonna grieve no mm. matter what you're going to feel sad. You're going to have shit days. You're going to have days where you just you can't think of like living anymore without that person. Mm. But I feel like funerals are real kind of, they are real solemn, aren't they? You see, like I my suppose... aunt wanted us to wear glitter and yeah. I wore a glittery navy dress. And my sister wore like a colour or something like that. She was like, you know, she was real like fucking, she wanted to do di- things differently. Yeah. My granddad was the same. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's the way different people and different families deal with them. Like, personally, in my family, because we've had so many fucking deaths, mm-hmm. um, what happens is the person dies, we're all in shock for the first day. Second day, it's down to business. Yeah. Sandwiches are being made, tea is being made. We're all gathering in the kitchen. We're all doing all the funeral arrangements. Everybody's offering to do stuff. Mm-hmm. It's a, a two or three days of chaos. Everybody's busy. Nobody has time to be sad. We're all actually having <clears> a bit of a laugh. Because the family's back you together. You do have a laugh. You do have a laugh. You do have yeah. a laugh. And you can kind of look back and talk about the person's mm-hmm. life and have a bit of a laugh about something stupid that they did. Day the funeral comes, at the church, at the burial or the crematory, it is so fucking sad. Yeah. But then after it, you go for... Pints. <laughs> pints, soup, bread, whatever, in the pub or pints. whatever little place that you're going to. Um, and then you kind of start getting over it again. That's when the real grief starts. Oh yeah, it's never the funeral. We never do it together, like. I find it gas, you know, in the UK, you know the way they don't bury them immediately, I find that mad. It's like 12 days or something, isn't it? Oh no, it can take up to a month. Oh God. Yeah, like I was talking to one of the guys that I was working with and he was telling me that uh, his aunt passed away and it was, there was a three week uh, queue. What? For the church. <laughs> he was like, well, he was like, you know, he, he was like, how many fucking people are dying? He was like, I'm talking like, how many, I think it's few. Oh, Oh, Pippin. Oh, Pippin has allergies. Oh, Pippin. Oh, she has a hairball. She has a hairball. Okay. Um, but he was like, there's enough people dying for it to be booked up three times a day, every day for three weeks. I was like, he's like, that's 60. What is that? Like 63? Jesus. Yeah. He was like, that's 63. Yeah. 63 funerals. I was like, that's a lot. That's a lot of people. But, um, yeah, Tom's granddad was like three weeks. I think his nan was a month, maybe. I won. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'd, I'd love to know, does that work better in terms of getting you on the road to... Well, he finds it mad because he's like, what do you mean? They're dead. Because I think it's it's like they died. It doesn't matter if they died in a car crash, if they died in whatever. They're dead. They're buried within mm. the week. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah, yeah. He do thinks you know, we're mad. He thinks it's mad in Ireland. But it, it's because it was an omen, wasn't it? Well, uh... It was like where we're like, oh, Jesus, get them away. Get them, like, get them into the ground. Get them, get them up to the Lord. Like, can't be fucking chilling above soil now. I think it goes back to a tradition and again I said this on what podcast was it? Oh, did we do something similar to this before? We did because it, remember I was telling you about the dead ringer? No, but that was on that was was that not conspiracy theories? Oh, uh, conspiracy or the religious one I think. <laughs> <Not> similar. <laughs> or, or, religion. Yeah, religion. Yeah. Um about the basically Irish people used to do this thing where they had like a three day wake and cuz somebody yes, yeah, could have yeah, yeah, the ringer. Yeah. So somebody could have basically uh, drank a lot of pot gene and just been out cold for three days so they'd have a three day party <clears> which is called a wake if they didn't wake up after the three days they put them into the ground but they still put a bell on top of their coffin or on top of their grave so that if they woke up in the coffin they could ring it that's why it's called a dead ringer but um, <coughs> I, I think that's where the tradition comes from the three day kind of yeah that that is definitely where it comes from I think that's what it is but it's like I'd love to know whether or not the whole three day thing or the 12 day thing or up to a month in the UK which works better for people's way of dealing with it yeah yeah I'd actually love to was there a study done on that look up and see I don't know I think grief is so personal I don't think it would yeah probably but I just I I just (coughs) because I I'm personally relieved after somebody dies that the whole funeral thing is over Mm. like within the week I think it's too soon do you? Yeah. No, I, I'd be personally relieved and I think anyone in my family would be the same because obviously we all go through it together. But it's just like, right, that's done now. Now we can start Especially really coping with it. Like. if you had like a sibling or a young child or something that died in like a car crash. Yeah. You're in such fucking shock and you're like, hold on, I'm just going to call the... Yeah. You know, I just don't think it's fair. That is true because you will be on autopilot as well and I've seen people who have lost people close to them and they're just literally staring into space for the whole three days yeah whereas if they had a bit more time to kind of soak it in yeah and then do the whole funeral thing that's why i'm wondering would that work better yeah do you know what i mean it is it's such a i think that's just mad isn't it yeah it is like death is just crazy um i'm like death's crazy yeah it's fucking wild i just (laughs) shut up garda um so, I lost my mom last year, 
While she had been sick, it was still sudden and unrelated to her illness. It never gets better, ever. You learn to cope, you get a new normal, but it hits you like a ton of bricks at the most random times. Everyone says time heals, it doesn't. Time just moves on and the new normal where you can't text or say hi or moan becomes that your that new normal. Mm. Yeah, that's it. <clears throat> that's, I mean... I think there is a lot to be said for somebody who passes away that you actually don't see every day and they're not that close to and then obviously losing somebody that like a partner mm. or child or mm. a parent I cannot imagine what that feels like I don't I actually hate thinking about it like whenever I think about yeah, Rainbow and I just petrifies me yeah I shut down I'm like I actually can't but yeah I know I'm, I'd be the same <clears throat> Um, so I have one here I don't think about death a lot per se but I do think a lot about if it's my last time doing or seeing someone would I be happy about the way things why can't I read today about the way we left things really plays a lot on my mind but I feel it's beneficial because I say what I'm feeling now a lot more than I did and I'm being completely honest with people oh, that's, I like that's a that. nice way of thinking yeah, of things like that. that's yeah. actually quite a nice way of thinking of things it is. but sometimes I do that as well I'm like imagine that was like, I always have to say love you to Tom on the phone and my dad and my mum. Yeah, yeah. And my sister. Yeah. I could not, like, it's almost shook. Like, I'm shook. Yeah, I yeah. No, I, I fucking, well, I fucking hate conflict anyway. But I do always try to, try my best. Well, just to be a good person in general and not be, like, a bitchy person. But I would never, I don't think, it's been ages since I left anything on an argument or on bad terms. Yeah. And now I wouldn't necessarily be thinking, what if I died? Yeah. And what if they died? At the back of my mind, I think that would nearly cripple you, but, um, like, yeah, I think it is, still is a nice thing to bear in mind, I suppose. I have one here. When I think of death, I automatically think of one person. Do we all do that? Do we all associate death with one person we lost who took a piece of us with them? What do people who have never experienced death to think of. This is genuinely something I've wondered since I was 13 years old. Up until that point, I'd experienced death and felt sad, but ultimately it didn't affect me in the long run. We buried aunties and neighbours, etc. But in 2001, when I was 13, my dad died and for the first time, death meant something completely different. It was gut-wrenching and confusing and life-shaping. I grieved, or at least thought I did, but everyone I knew told me, you're quote unquote you're so strong you're happy inspiration to say so oh you're an inspiration to stay so happy blah 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 in reality i was dead inside and putting those drama classes my mom spent a fortune on to good use 16 years later just before my wedding when was when it hit me that i couldn't pretend anymore i had a breakdown and grieved so hard i started counseling and that helped that helped me understand that i didn't have to hold it all together I celebrate my dad now instead of ignoring all talk or memory of him. Death is inevitable and I don't actually fear it anymore because I know I'll see him again. If you've gotten this far, thanks for reading. Um, I think I waffled, but yeah, death is poxy. But it happens to us all, unfortunately. So we've got to live for right now and share all of the love. Kiss, kiss. Thanks for that message. That was nice. I like that she recognised that she kind of had to change her mindset. You do. Yeah. I think that's the most Even 16 thing. years down the line, <clears throat> like... You d- you have to, and that's... Get, just getting back to funerals, like, I always say, I don't want my funeral to be a sad thing. I want it to be a gas thing. Yeah. Like, have a laugh. Mm. Talk about all the stupid shit that I did. Talk about your funniest moments. Talk about... You don't even have to talk about me. You can talk about each other. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, mm. just have a laugh. Yeah. 
because it's life's too sad. It is. And I think it goes back to what I said uh, earlier about my granddad and I knew that he was petrified of dying. But I, th- I almost think if if you know that somebody wasn't that scared of dying or if they told you what they wanted after they left, even yeah. if it is before their time, I think that nearly makes it better for the yeah. people who are left behind. Do you know what I mean? Like if I was to die, you would know like... Oh, she wanted a humanist ceremony. Yeah. She wanted people to have yeah. glass crack at her funeral. Do you know what I mean? That was Jen. That yeah. was kind of, you know, you to have that kind of attitude going into it. Do you know what I mean? Whereas if, like, you never spoke about it or anything and you didn't know what to do after somebody died. Yeah. It'd be, it'd be more like, oh, oh God, this is so before our time. Jesus, we weren't prepared for this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, I'm not going to start writing out my will. Like, it, well, I probably will have to because I'll have a kid. Once you get a gaff, but... yeah. And once you have a gaff for a kid, <laughs> exactly. you have to actually, unfortunately, do a will, which yeah, is fucking yeah. terrifying. But... but, like, yeah, I don't know. I suppose, yeah, I suppose it's hard to do at this age. It just, it would be, if you weren't as scared and understood it a bit more, probably would be easier to let people go, like, you know? Definitely. Hmm. I have one here um, and it starts with a little quote that she sent us. It says, even when two people lose the same person, they lose different versions of them. As much as you love someone, as much as you grieve with them, you grieve alone. Yeah. That is so true. So true. Never thought of that. Mm. She said, I've lost a few people close to me. Probably the biggest loss is my best friend when I was 19. We lived together, worked together, party together, etc. When Jess died, her mother decided to blame me or at least push me out of her life as it was. Down to contact me for her Bebo password so she could remove me as her other half. <gasps> Probably just needed an outlet for her own grief. Can't lie, it completely fucked me up for years. Jess died after a battle with meningitis, so I obviously didn't play a part. When it wasn't so raw, I started volunteering at a meningitis charity and turned my completely shite experience into some kind of positive and through the people in the charity, I finally felt like I was allowed to grieve. I still struggle with feelings that I was somehow not her friend or not, or that my memories and our friendship wasn't as important as that of her and my other friends because I suffered as a result of somebody else's grief. She died 10 years ago today. And it's really only now that I can accept that we were friends. I'm not some horrible bitch that should have been better. I was young. I understand to a degree. But grief, especially after death, is so powerful. It mapped my entire life. Probably for a better, but it wasn't an easy road. can happily say that a charity that the charity hired me. And now I play a part in meningitis awareness and support all over the country. If you don't grab grief by the balls, it can ruin you. I've been on both sides of the coin. That's really inspirational. And very mature very mature and I do think like I like the way that you can assess that her mother's outlet for grief was just was attacking you, you yeah. was just you yeah. and that's really unfortunate but it was good that you could recognise that yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you didn't actually think and it, it can be tough can't it mm. and there can be you know I've seen before people passing away quite young mm. um whether I've gone to school with them or it's been like one of my sister's friends or something. And there is a sense of competition sometimes around people as who was the friend. Oh, do Is not that just me? St- I've seen that. No, I've seen, seen it. That? I've seen that. It's fucking weird. I've seen that. No, you you will get that one person who wasn't that close to, and it's, it's specifically in young people. It's not even at older people. It's <clears> usually <throat> what I usually see it in because I've, I've lost a few friends to suicide. But... It's usually you'll see somebody putting up on the anniversary of the person's death, a person who wasn't even that close to them putting up that the same picture every year because that's the only picture that they ever you weren't that close to them, but you're making it out as if 
It's so fucking weird. It is weird. Please stop trying to get attention off other of, people's deaths. Like of other people's it's so grief. morbid. It's so morbid. And it's also like bottom of the barrel kind of shit, you know? Yeah, what I mean? it really is. <laughs> but like, I've seen I I just remember I saw it in two different versions. Um and I was just baffled. And I remember just being like, is this happening? And I remember at my young age, I was even like, is this fucking happening? You know? Mm. Like setting up a Facebook group and Mm. I'd be like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> yeah. And like, unpopular opinion, you might be one of these people going, oh, I do that. Yeah, we weren't that close, but I still love them very much and I just want to show that I'm the family that I'm supporting them. But it's like, they probably prefer that you didn't. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think my, like, if I passed away, I don't think Ray would get, you know, yeah, any kind of closure from somebody who I was friendly with starting up a Facebook group. Yeah. I, I don't think, I don't see that for no, him. Absolutely not. We don't love to see it. No. I have another one here. Um, my only fear about dying is probably the same as most people. I am so, so, so scared of dying alone. It freaks me out. I don't think I don't think about it all the time, but when I'm ha- when I'm hanging after a sesh, I think about death and how scary it would be to die alone. Like, yeah. Yeah. Now, I think the sesh bit, bit dramatic. Yeah. I think we all think we're going to die after a sesh. Understand you. But... We do get sesh depressed. We do get sesh depressed. Yeah, but we do get sesh depressed. hang in there after the sesh. But I do get, like, the whole dying alone thing will be... Well, I don't know See, how I don't feel. I'd mind if I died alone. What's that? I'm dying. I'm dead. <laughs> yeah. I'm gone. But say if it was, like, a long death. Say if you got, for instance, stabbed. And you're... Oh, lying you in an alley, a little hole, and you died alone in the alley. Yeah, that would be tough. You yeah. were dying. Sorry, let me for change about my, two hours. Change my opinion there. Yeah, yeah. If you were dying for two, oh, that would be rough. Yeah, and you, you'd know. If you were left somewhere even. and you were just kind of like, I hope someone finds me. Yeah. And then before you know it, you've passed out, and your body's just, oh no, that's. I'm sorry. I take back what I said. I th- I think I meant more like, if I woke up dead. Yeah. Did you get me? Yeah, but like, you can't wake up dead. But you can't. Yeah, can't wake up dead. But you feel my flow. I feel your flow. Yeah, um, I have one here. Hey, on the topic of death, I'm a nurse and doing my training and experience, as you can imagine, I've seen an awful lot. It's taken a huge toll on me. I actually suffer from death anxiety, not of my own death, but of family members or friends passing away. I went to hypnotherapy. I found it amazing, as it made me realize that it was an irrational fear. And yes, that will and can happen but try not to see every patient as a family member I'd encourage anybody to try it as it's very help as it's really helped me out love the podcast that's a good idea I never thought of hypnotherapy yeah um wasn't there somebody asked um actually if you could get in touch about the a good grievance counsellor mm-hmm. somebody did ask us if we could put it out there she just haven't hasn't found one that hasn't costed her a bomb a bomb yeah and she just needs a good a good grievance counsellor she so, lost her mother yeah um actually went to school with her but um she lost her mum and she's having I think she's just she'd love an outlet so if anybody has any good I'll actually I'll put that up on the story yeah yeah pop that up in the story and if we get any supports in I will share them all Share them all. Yes. Yes. I have one here. <clears throat> Great topic. I have one very tragic experience of death in brackets and multiple very normal if sad experiences. Uh, I, I help facilitate ber- bereavement support groups and do peer counselling for a specific type of loss. There's so much to talk about with death, but where grief and bereavement are concerned, the most important thing is kindness. 
be kind to yourself. Don't expect too much and don't be don't fake being okay. All the people I support are women and every single one of them worries more about other people than themselves. Also, grief is more is so complicated. It's not just about sadness. There's anger and exhaustion mm-hmm. and anxiety and anxiety, too. It doesn't always look or feel how we expect it to. And sometimes we can't recognize our feelings as being grief. We just think we're being a complete bitch or a weirdo. After my loss, I was too anxious to drive or go to crowded places for months. Um, it was a bizarre manifestation of grief, but not totally uncommon either. So be kind to yourself and to your mates after a loss. When we said that earlier on, it's a, it's about recognising that that's what it is. Well, there's the five well. stages of grief, isn't there? There is, yeah. So it's denial and isolation, anger, bargaining, depression, and then acceptance. Yeah. So the first one is denial and isolation. So obviously cutting yourself off from yeah your friends, being in denial that it actually happened. Yeah. Then... I think the second is anger. I think that's the one yeah. that I feel I would take on the most. Yeah, I'd be the same because like that, it's it is just so fucking unfair as well, isn't it? Like you do feel like that, and you feel like it's a personal thing as well. It's it's yeah, it's it's a weird kind of feel. It's a weird anger. And then bargaining, I think, is the saddest of the five. What well, explain that to me now? What do you mean by bargaining? So if only. I wish if I like if if I I would have done this if like it's almost like you would have take changed me, your ways take me yeah, yeah, yeah. don't take them kind of thing you're almost talking to yourself in it as much oh. as I understand the bargaining part is kind of like if only they had done if only they had been married if only there was this that and the other if only like I could you know take their place or you know yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. of I think that's to me anyway from what I've seen trying to change the the past yeah basically trying to like bargain for them back in some kind of way yeah yeah like yeah that whole thing and then depression obviously and then acceptance yeah so I mean but that whole process could take up to 10 years oh it could take up to your whole life it doesn't you could be in one stage for two weeks you could be in another stage for three years and it it could keep switching from from different depression back to anger and there's a girl who who wrote into us saying never really thought about death I'd lost aunties and uncles but was never affected like this until April last year when my dad died suddenly my whole world turned upside down and everything changed like I changed everyone around me stayed the same but it was all different it's horrible it's like a physical pain not just mental I still think a year on did that all really happen I haven't went to counselling yet I'm half afraid if I'm going to be honest I find it hard to talk about it but I will go eventually afraid of what's going to come out of my mouth and opening up all them feelings again but anyone that goes always finds it good do you think most counsellors or grievances are there certain ones that do death is just mad one day you're here the next you're gone changes your outlook on life but I 100% believe in the afterlife keeps me going thinking he's with me he fucking better be yeah well that's a whole other topic as well but it does bring comfort to people doesn't it the whole going to a medium looking out for little signs and Mm -hmm. putting it down to being the spirit of the person that they lost and you do you with your grief and you you know with your comforts yeah basically after um well, she said there, do you think most counsellors do grievance or are there certain ones that do? Um, so, like, is there certain grievance counsellors? Is it just a counsellor for everyone? Um, No, there are bereavement counsellors yeah. specifically. Yeah, there is. Um, There's, yeah, there's 
you can you can actually there's um, what's it called I'm sure they all know how to tell you how to deal with your grief but there are some that would specialise in it I think yeah definitely I have one here I lost my uncle very suddenly last December he was 59 never a sick day in his life and a workaholic he died of vasculitis basically his immune system started attacking his healthy organs one week in hospital and then dead he died almost two years to the day my granny passed away he was buried on her anniversary. Uh, as much as I love and miss my granny, his death absolutely destroyed my family and I think it's the first time I've ever truly experienced grief. Even now I still cry. I find it really difficult that everybody expects your grieving to finish almost immediately after the funeral. That's what I was saying earlier on. That's when I, my grief starts, really. After the funeral, that's when you begin yeah. to cope. Um, I would... <clears throat> be really interested in going to therapy or counselling but I genuinely feel like an Egypt even asking about it because I know I'm okay I just want to talk about him uh, a bit more and I understand why I still feel this sad about him um, I really think grief is something that should be spoken about more openly because I don't think it goes. it's something that ever goes away when you lose someone that you love don't ever feel like you're an Egypt for wanting to go to somebody and speak about your uncle, if that's how you're feeling, you go you and go. speak to somebody. Don't ever feel like that. No, definitely not. Um, and like that, we will find out what um people have, what counsellors people, people recommend. have gone to. I yeah, mean, put it up. if you go into Citizens Information, they have the kind of basics. But <clears throat> a lot of the times, if you're starting off with a counsellor, I've said this before, it can take, you know, five, six goes to find the right counsellor yeah. for you. So if you go to one and you don't feel like it was a match, it probably wasn't a match. No, yeah, exactly. So you can find... um. A lot of stuff out on citizens' information, but then there's also, you know, for kids, there's Bernardo's, they do mm. grief counselling for children, which can be instrumental, I suppose, mm. to, you know, how they're going to view it. And to understand and it to as understand well, it yeah. a little bit as well. I understand where you're coming from too. Mm. Um, there's access counselling um, there in Dublin 12. They specialise in bereavement and loss. Right. So uh, there are another ones. There's hospice counselling. Like there is actually, there's a lot out there. Yeah. But you do have to take the leap of faith. Now, they say two years is the mark when you should go. But I think that's bullshit. No, go when you're feeling go like when you, you feel like go. you want to go. Yeah. If you want to go 10 years later, if you want to go two days later, you go. Yeah, definitely. Um, but they say two years is kind of like the process where you, you, you'll get the most out of it. But I don't. It's probably when they think you're the most settled. Yeah, after definitely. Um. Oh, I haven't heard about uh, UK funerals. Okay. I recently lost my nanny who lives in the UK. So interesting to see how funerals etc work in other countries. I feel like we rushed a process here, which is exactly what you said. Um. If you die on a Monday, you'll be buried by the Wednesday, and your family are back to work by the Friday. In the UK, it's way too long—16 days from death to funeral for my nanny. But the funeral was so nice and personal it changed my views on how i'd like to go to be honest over there everyone has the same bog standard culty catholic prayer mumbling and nobody and no one knowing whether to sit or stand because you have haven't been to mass since the last funeral you are <laughs> yeah well that's true. i think that's all so true. or the wedding yeah i think like it's this is like obviously i'm taking the piss here just trying to lighten the mood but it's almost like a holiday, isn't it? Like three days is too short, 16 days is too long. Yeah. Maybe 11 days. <laughs> Maybe 11. Maybe 10. 10 days. So no, like it's probably the perfect. 10 nights and 11 yeah, days. Ten. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe. But take two we weeks off look. work. Yeah. <laughs> take the 14 oh, well, days off work. That's the thing. It's like, it's so hard. And obviously 
different places of work will differ and the person who you you have lost is going to decide when you go back to work as well but it is hard knowing that somebody could die on a Monday you'll be done back on work by Friday that's that's what I'm saying that's fucked like it is mad I do think it's a lot yeah Um, just more about the grief counselling lads there's so much out there um, I'll put it up I will put it up on the Instagram just if people have mm. recommendations because there is there's on and there's like there's literally millions yeah well not millions thousands hundreds hundreds uh, hundreds but I think it's so personal I don't want to be like I recommend this I think this is good like my dad went to a group and it's a big group yeah um, I think it's called Beginning Experience and it's a grief book grief for like divorce grief for if you've actually mm. lost someone grief loads of different grief groups I had a client who um, lost her husband to suicide she met her new partner in a grief um, wow deal. he had lost his brother to suicide and then while they were at the grief counselling a few weeks later uh, he found his wife was um, having an affair so he kind of got a double whammy <laughs> but yeah. wow. these things help yeah yeah you know like so if you are somebody who thinks you'll like my dad's always been like you and your sister should go and I'm like no I don't want to fucking go to a group I'm not a group person yeah I do know group people yeah my aunt is one of them um and I I don't know whether she was going to groups before um my uncle passed away because she's always had depression and that yeah and my aunt my aunt actually that um uh, took her own life she used to go to groups before yeah she passed um, and now this aunt still goes she goes to a group every Tuesday now I'm not too sure if it's a bereavement group after she lost her husband or she was going to it anyway but she never misses a group mm-hmm. never yeah as she finds them so helpful oh Ray adores his group yeah like, and he's been going to it for I'm gonna say five years now yeah yeah and now he gives talks and everything yeah so I feel like and it's funny because my it was recommended to me through my best friend's mum. Yeah. She hadn't gone, but one of her best friends went and she was like, just say that to your dad. Like, you might find it and isn't a gas now five years later. That's, yeah. And it's yeah. made such a... It was a, just off a quick recommendation and it worked for him, you yeah, know. Yeah, made such a detrimental... Yeah. Um, but even I find that, like, even TED Talks, yeah. any sort of talk, yeah. you always feel great after coming out it's of like something the gym. like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always, it's, you always feel great after something like that. It's yeah. like it makes such a difference. It really does. Yeah, it does, definitely. Um I have another one here, Death Podcast. Uh different topic topic for a podcast, interested to hear it. Um funeral processions in different parts of the country. Where my husband is from, they're usually waked at home. It feels a lot less formal and less sad in my experience. It feels more personal. You can chat to the family a bit more than just passing on your condolences. Also, day I say, typical Irish, it's a good way to catch up with people when you haven't seen in a while. Mm -hmm. Um, When a friend of mine died, she was waked at home, not coming around where this girl is from. And we cried with laughter that night instead of of grief. We recounted stories of the good times and sharing old photos of her. I've done both. I like that. I like the home ones. Yeah, I've done both. Um, my granddad, the one that uh, passed away last June, he was reposed at home, and uh, like that, we were all in the kitchen just looking at our photos and kind of recalling. Actually, that was the day that he died. He was still up in the bed. We were waiting on the doctor. 
Oh, God. It was, yeah. But like that, it was, he had cancer. It was old age. Mm. We were expecting this. Mm-hmm. And my dad stayed up there with him until the doctor on call came. But like that, everybody was in the house. We were all just talking about the old times, looking yeah. through photos. And yeah. he went off to the funeral home, got embalmed and that, and he, then he was back to the house. Oh, embalming gives me fucking shivers. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have one here from somebody about grieving when they're still alive. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it says, hey gals, I just wanted to write in because I don't think I'm on my own with this one. I haven't spoken to my dad for nearly five years. Himself and my mom separated because I found my dad's Plenty of Fish profile on the laptop by accident. Oh no. I confronted him first because me and him were so close. He completely denied, even though there was a clear evidence that they had met up, etc. I had the screen grabs. It was Christmas week, so he asked me not to say anything until after Stephen's day, so I didn't. He then tried to make me not say anything because of how good he was to me over the years, etc. And I lost it. I told my mum and now they're separated. He wasn't just my dad. He was my best friend, the person I talked to about everything. I came out to him first and everything. So about six months after this, I got into a really shit place in my head and I started counselling. And my counsellor suggested I try to reconnect or to grieve him as if he was dead. So I chose to grieve him. Over four years later and he is dead to me. I have siblings who see him and talk about him. It's so hard to grieve the loss of someone who isn't dead, but it can be done. And it gives such closure. Sorry, these messages are long-winded if you condense it down. My top tips for grieving somebody who isn't dead would be to talk to a third party, ask yourself is it realistic and listen to your gut. Wow. Very interesting. Um, I personally don't know anybody who's grieved somebody who's alive. I know one. Um, <clears throat> she's actually on uh, Instagram. Her username is Thursday Bell. But her mum has dementia. Oh, God. So she started to grieve her when she first went into oh the nursing home. Oh, God. And that's, it. she said it's basically not her mum anymore. So she's been grieving her mum for like, I think it's been about two years. Oh, Jesus Christ. I just, oh. Yeah. Tom's granddad went to dementia as well. And it's a horrific. Mm. I, oh, it's horrible. That's actually it's... something that I have a massive fear over. Yeah. Because I've seen one of my, you know, my parents' friends that they, like, I grew up with kind of their kids and stuff like that. Mm. Well, uh, one of their dads, very bad dementia. And it's like. Oh, mm. I yeah. just don't know how they if, just change into different people, and obviously, I don't know that. Like, I, I don't know the ins and outs, and everybody's experiences are different, and every person is different. My friends, Nana had it as well. Um, but you do, you kind of just have to come to terms with that's not them anymore, and I think it, it makes it easier to deal with. And that's if you start grieving them as if they were dead. Obviously, still be there for them and still help them and, like, you know what I mean? Or grieve what the relationship you had, maybe. Grieve what they used to be. And it's even yeah. the same with a breakup. Like, if, if you're with somebody that just fucking turns and changes, you nearly need to grieve the relationship, the relationship you, you had. had. So yeah. true. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because that's, yeah. I think... Because it's never going back You there. need to start dealing yeah. with it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I have another one here I'm a nurse loads of experience of death if you have any question from that side of things she just wrote back to us there um, nurse here very dark sense of humour surrounding death because of our coping method I guess it's hard to deal with but and this is a bit of a strange thing to say I guess but it's actually a nice thing to be involved with with somebody who's dying and their care especially when it's somebody you've cared for previously Looked after a man before whose death was sort of prolonged and drawn out. The family were making his memory book thing as a memento 
of which at the time I thought was weird. But I minded the man for six nights in a row and he died on my seventh night. I got so close to the family and we had great crack. My name is in their memory book and they were so thankful and it's nice part it's nice that I'm part of their happy memories of such a hard time. That is nice. Oh, that is nice, yeah. Um, this one's a bit of a roller coaster. Hey girls, I first hand experience with death. If you're reading this, can I remain anon? Everybody's anon, just to let you know, unless you specify that you don't want to be anon. Um, but when I was eight, just after my Holy Communion, my nanny died. Two years later, my little cousin, age four, suddenly passed away in his sleep. My uncle then had a serious accident a few months later. He thankfully lived. Another uncle died. And then my granddad on, on my dad's side. Then my mom's side, one aunt, who I was extremely close to, passed away four years ago. My cousin's baby died. My granddad then passed six weeks later. Another aunt died. This all happened in the past 17 years. Oh, my God. Jesus. To be honest, I suffer with depression and my doctor reckons it's because I haven't grieved. I went to a counsellor and it wasn't for me. I find keeping my mind busy and I pray a lot and I believe that they can hear me. That gives me a little bit of comfort. I work in retail and I've been told... You're always happy. It goes to show nobody knows what goes on inside closed doors. Love the podcast. Wow. That is so much. But it, you can, I think that's another thing, you know, you can really put on like a front. Yeah. And sometimes when you're in work, it's the same, like the only way I can compare it is if you've ever had like boy problems. Yeah. And you go into work and you can actually put it away for those eight hours. Yeah. I always felt like, well, me personally, you're like, can put it into a little box and then when you come home, Forget you're like, about oh, it. oh, yeah, and then it's... And that's to... why people throw themselves into their work sometimes mm. when they're going through grief. Um, I will just say on the on the verge of counselling, maybe that counselling wasn't for you. Mm. Maybe there is a counselling out there that is for you. Yeah. Or maybe just having those conversations with your friends every month. Sometimes that can be as good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like sitting down, having a good session. Yeah. I find that always helps me. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I have the actually the last one here on in the normal DMs. I lost my dad nearly five years ago and it was the most painful and difficult thing I've ever experienced. I went through six months of deep depression and anxiety and was very angry in myself and the people around me. I just couldn't believe that life was still going on around me and I was just stuck. I had an addiction to my antidepressants and struggled with that. Wrecked my mom's house with the side effects of the withdrawals. Thankfully I'm okay now and I've gotten my life back together. Never had any counselling and I really wish I had. That's, yeah, that just, like, that sounds like she was going through the, the stages. And <laughs> and as well, that's, it, it's a good point that, and I, I, I've experienced it myself. It's like when somebody dies, you're kind of looking around, you're going, how are you all still functioning? Like, how is the world still spinning? And when your world itself has stopped. Yeah. It's it, like, I think everybody kind of gets that feeling. It's like the absolute cheekiest to, to be going around your, about your Living your day. fucking like, life, yeah. Yeah, like even when you find out somebody's after time, you see like Dublin bus driving down the road. It's like, look at all neck those people neck. just going into town on the 39. Like, look at them. Like neck them. Yeah, like that's, they are the things that go through your head when you're after losing somebody. It's like everyday things are just automatically offensive. Or you're like, look at them all. Living their best yeah, lives. Yeah, not a fucking clue what's going on in mine. Don't yeah. even know what happened to me. And Yeah, no, that's it. That's the thing. And that's that's what makes you feel so alone as well, I think. Do you know? I have one here. This is, um, I think it is interesting because we talk a lot about losing family members, but it can almost be sometimes hit you harder if it's a friend. Because mm. it's somebody that you kind of, you took on, you know? 
Yeah, you picked them. Yeah, you, you picked, picked them. That, that was your person. Yeah. Say, so, hey, girls, love the podcast. Been meaning to message you loads of times. I lost two of my friends recently. Both had cancer. They're my childhood friends since we were in primary school. Both passed within six months of each other. Oh and my, my world. Jeez. And my world has been completely turned upside down. Both were in their early 30s. I've dealt with grief before. I've lost my dad, grandparents, etc. But this is unbelievable. A different type of grief that has consumed the whole person I used to be. You never imagine your best friends can die. I've known, I've never known what it's like to have no best friends. The people that you turn to for everything that know you inside and out better than anyone. And suddenly they're just gone. It's something that I can't explain in words. Anyway, I feel like there's not enough support for people dealing with grief. I attended a counsellor who sat there nodding and sympathising with me. That was useless. I didn't need sympathy. I need help to deal with the emotion I had never felt. Grief is such a big thing. I've really struggled this last year and the only thing that's kept my head above water is my daughter. There needs to be more support for people that are grieving. I went to that counsellor three times, never went back and found there was nothing else for me to do. Anyway, I want to say thanks to you girls. You remind me of me and my two best friends and the shy talk that, and the laughs that we used to have. I love listening to you. It brings me back to the mild conversations with my girls. Oh, I'm going to cry. A little bit of mouse. Yeah. I'm a bit of mouse now. That is, yeah. I know there's a tear coming out. Yeah, yeah. There's a, I mean, we're welling up here. Aww. That is mouse. Um, I've said it before. I've said it loads of times, but maybe that, that counselling. Yeah. And that person and that counsellor, maybe a group. Yeah, I was going to say a group. I was, I, the group kind of sounds maybe, because yeah. from what I've heard from other people, group can be laugh, like it can be yeah. a fucking laugh, where you can say, you go and you'll give a story where you're like, I remember when we were four and they lost their shoe and we blamed it on our little brother, you know? Yeah. You can kind of have a bit of a gas. Mm. Sometimes, you know, it's just like... The way I can explain it, it's like it's just like a vet. Some yeah. vets are better with dogs, some better are wh- horses, some yeah. are better with cows. You know, it's the way that it's done. Some people, some there is grief counsellors who are just very good with grief. Yeah. Maybe because of life experience. Maybe because of something they've been through. Cause, yeah, cause there are people who become something because they've gone through something. Yeah. Like drug um, addiction counsellors that yeah. have been through it themselves. Like where, as that girl said, yeah. there is a few that will sit there and just nod and take your money. And just listen to you. I don't think it's about that, you know. I think it's, I wouldn't say nod and take your money. I'd say just some of them are like, some just, you know what it's like. You just can't process. I mean, I always say, especially when I do makeup on clients, like that's like a little mini, you end up sharing things that yeah. you just don't even share with you. Do you know what? <laughs> do you know what does be funny? I get, um, like it's, it's, it's funny that people will like share yeah. secrets with you yeah like I've the amount of women who have told me that they're pregnant and nobody else in their life yeah. knows because I'm pregnant do you know on Instagram but and you're like, like Ooh, yeah thanks yeah. for letting me know delight for you like yeah. you know best of luck with your pregnancy but like obviously I'm never gonna tell I don't know these people I'm never gonna tell anybody yeah but like it, it is mad how people can reach out and talk to a stranger about personal things and sometimes they notice I remember that's how I became quite close with Laura from Laura's Views because we were having a conversation and she just tweaked something about me and I ended up just like, and I'm not an open person. I remember yeah. just like opening up a little bit and we had a great chat and she was like, well, thank you for that. And I was like, thank you. Yeah. And those things can happen. Yeah, they can. And it's funny because even like, again, um, the client that I had mentioned previous who's who had lost her um, her husband to, to suicide, mm. she is now studying to be a therapist. Right. And I found that, and she was like, and that's, I can't wait, I can't wait. She's like, I just can't wait. She's like, I can't wait to be able to, you know, get Mm. them through what I thought I'd never get through. 
Yeah, you know? well, that's really like that. There are people who become it because they've been through it. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, again, sometimes I think group, there's not enough said about group. No, there's not. It can be real. Because you always see it in movies, don't you? And it's like sitting in a circle. Mm. Like even in that Avengers, you know, it was like, what to do when they disappeared? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And it's always quite a solemn thing, isn't it? Yeah, but you can just go and listen. And yeah, you, can you don't go, have to speak. You can go and listen for six weeks and then one day you might go, do you know what, I'm going to tell my story. You know what I mean? Like, not that anybody expects you to, but you can just go and listen. And, and everyone's lovely. Yeah. Everyone's very And everyone's friendly. in the same position. Yeah. They're not there for the crack. No, like they're there. Or maybe they are for the crack. <laughs> yeah, but usually they're there because they're in the same boat that you are and you can relate on some sort of level and sometimes it's easier to get along with strangers yeah definitely yeah where you're like nobody knows anything about me I'm just gonna yeah, wander exactly. in here and be e- like how are you even though you're showing your face you're still anonymous kind of thing absolutely love that yeah love that absolutely I think should we leave it there I think we should I mean if you wrote into us thanks so much for sharing your story uh, a lot of the times when we're reading the messages I'm double tapping them just to let you know that we've seen it we've seen um, it yeah and it's because we just we, we simply can't reply to everybody as much as I'd love because it seems a bit impersonal if I'm not giving you my whole like yeah you know between myself and Jen we run our own social medias we run the um, unpopular one as well and we have so much interaction from you guys which makes it what it is um, but don't think that we don't see you we see you yeah and we'd love to read everything out but we'd be here yeah exactly days. Yeah. Um, but we, thank you so much for contributing and if you have contributed before please continue to contribute yeah, yeah. I would say as well it doesn't I do appreciate it and even like don't be apologising for sending us paragraphs like that oh we love that it's the yeah. amount of effort that you've put into giving us your life experiences mm-hmm. and your opinions that makes it what it is so thank you very much for that Thanks we appreciate it next week's topic we're going to lighten up the mood a little bit because this was quite heavy it was um, <laughs> Trends that we want to come back. Yeah. Past trends. Stuff that we used to do. It's kind of a little bit of a throwback one. I mean, but our first so. throwback one, people were like, eh. Yeah. Um, we actually did we, two of those. Yeah, we did two. There was yeah. so much. But this one is more focused on what we'd like to see. Like, what we'd like to see come back. A lot of stuff, I think, has come back, though. Yeah. Do you know? Like, but it has come back in the right way. Has it come back in the right way? Has tearaway trousers come back in the way they should have? Hmm. Has neon? <laughs> neon, yeah. Neon. neon come back in the way that you feel appropriate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or has they have they switched it up in the right way? <laughs> what is that about? <laughs> Think about a trend that you used to do years ago, and if you would like to see that back, we we stand you. Uh, please get in touch on the WhatsApp oh eight five one seven. Nope, that would be to give you my number. Oh. 085-725-2127 or DM us on the Insta at the Unpopular Opinion 2019. Let us know. Let us know and we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.